0: This podcast is brought to you as part of the RBS SE100 Insight Series in partnership with RBS Inspiring Enterprise and Pioneers Post.
1: They say you're never more than six feet away from a rat and the human race is not happy about it. Since the black death through Room 101 to the Daily Mail's mutant killer rats, These resilient rodents have had a bad press for centuries. One man out to address the rat's image problem is Bart Wagens. He's trained giant African rats to sniff out landmines and help stop the spread of TB. We heard from him in Edinburgh at the RBS SE100 Insight Conference. After coffee was served on the first night, he took
0: to the floor to share his amazing story. What is this about, actually? Saving human lives by training rats, detecting landmines with rats, it, that's fantastic, and some people might say that we get rid of two problems at once, the rats get blown up <laughs> mines. That's not how it works. I started this organization in an, in an attempt to develop and, and to assist communities affected by the landmine problem, to assist them with dealing with the problem more independently from expensive imported know-how and goods. Rats, for me, were the solution. And by the way, there is something historical about Apopo and Edinburgh. Uh, I met here with a Dutch guy in Atenhaven, and he actually uh, had made an analysis which actually showed American scientists training gerbils, not very sustainable, with electrodes in the brain and all that. But to me, it was the Aha Erlebnis, and in a way, the origin of Apopo. So why then using rats? Aren't they vermin? Well, no, they aren't. If I can change your perception about rats, I'll be a happy man. Rats, in contrary to what most of you think, are actually very sociable, intelligent animals that like to work together with humans in return for uh, a small, well, food reinforcer. They're very convenient to work with. Logistically, you can bring them to all places for a small cost. They're happy with little care. They are interchangeable between trainers. Most importantly they are too light to set off landmines and basically these animals are extremely superb sniffers. For more than 80 percent they actually in their sensory perception is based on olfaction so they sniff the world. They don't hear so much, they don't see so much. So we work with uh, machines, we work with people, we work with animals and it's a combination of these three, which makes a very cost-efficient mine action procedure. I wouldn't say rats by themselves would be able to clear minefields. Machines cannot do it either. Humans can do it, but it's extremely tedious, dangerous. With the mask and this, uh, all this gear on, working with a metal detector the whole day, 50 square meters per day for a good day. Well, a team of two rats in their handlers, in one and a half hour, and clear 200 square meters. That's four man days of, of work. When the animals actually find the mines, we don't lift them anymore, because they can be used in other places again. What we do now is we put an extra charge, and we explode the device. We brought this model of mine action by now to seven countries, especially in Southeast Asia, we're growing really fast. We have now programs also in Vietnam and in Laos. Apopo originated in Belgium at Antwerp University as a research project. We moved to Tanzania, Africa. That's where we still, until today, have our headquarters. We ship animals that are pre-trained there. We ship them to countries like Mozambique, like Angola, uh, where we deploy them in the fields. So how do you train rats? Well, it's really easy. We use actually a clicker, this type of device, it's all based on positive behaviour reinforcements. We don't punish. It's very simple. The animal does something good, we reward it. So in the first instance, we have to learn what this click means. This click means food. As soon as the animal knows that well, we can start operant conditioning, shaping the behaviour of the animal by means of this very simple tool. If the animal does something right, click, food. And what does the animal have to do? Well, it first it learns to put the nose in a sniffer hole. And under that sniffer hole we put a target scent. In the case of landmine detection, that is explosives mixed with soil. Then we make it even more complex. They learn to walk on a harness in the open. They have to find targets in a sandbox. Then it becomes real, in a real minefield. So in terms of impact. And so far they have cleared this is the impact in Mozambique, 1,150 soccer fields. In Southeast Asia, we did 234 million square meters. The vision was to make these communities more independent. Apart from the humanitarian demining, we got offers because we demonstrated our impact and we measured it properly. And now we got offers from commercial companies. Now we have a commercial contract. If you realize that by using the the, the power of, you, of the tool that you've developed and competing on the market and using market principles, uh, if you can make the impact so much higher and generate profits and let them come back to the humanitarian aspect and, and make, make both thrive, uh, well, this is a better solution for, for everyone. In every year, there's now four to 5,000 people registered victims of landmine accidents. However, there's 1.4 million people that died from TB as a first cause of infection. You go to a health center to to get checked. In case you are a TB positive case, you have less than 50% chance to be detected. That means you go home, you continue spreading the disease to your wife, to your children, at an average 10 to 15 people transmissions per year, so the impact of a wrong diagnosis is huge. One person missed and you infect 10 to 15 people. We thought like, why don't we try training rats on TB? And we did and it worked. And wow, that was (laughs) was quite something. So what did they smell? We're researching it and we still don't know, but it works. We actually wanna make something very useful, something tactile that can immediately increase case detection in those most affected countries. So 40 samples in a day is a bit of the day task of a lab technician using a microscope. The animals also indicate on many of the other samples which came in as negatives. We analyze all samples with three animals. If there are animal indications on these, we make them suspect. With the suspects, they are then confirmed by fluorescence microscopy or by gene experts, one of the higher. We actually increased consistently case detection rates since 2008, since we started measuring, by over 30%, and very often over 40%, but consistently over 30%. And we do that now with 17 hospitals in Dar es Salaam and with eight hospitals in Maputo. So far, we found more than 4,000 patients. At this point, uh, 4,614. And at a conservative estimate, these people who have been found and enrolled in treatment have avoided preventatively, 46,000 people to contract the disease. We have three strategic goals. One is to enhance mine action in a cost-efficient way. The second one is to accelerate TB detection in a reliable way in affected countries. And the third one is simply to research and develop innovative detection rats technology applications. And I'm sure we're just at the tip of the iceberg there. So what else could detection rats technology do? Well, we have a a small research project uh, called camera rats, where rats are actually equipped with a camera backpack and go under rubble to trace victims of earthquakes and structural collapse, so search and rescue with an organization training rats, how do you want to be involved with that? Well, you have to be already a bit weird, a kind of animal. uh, Well, rat lover is not really the most standard pet. So we created this myapopo.org to have this donor experience more vivid. Already 5% of our annual budget comes from this program. And they're all people who pay a small amount. They get a rat adoption. Some people get, give it as a present, for instance, for Valentine's. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> people who are entering into the program, they get connected with the activities. They get news after initial training. You have to choose whether you want a mine action rat or a TB rat. And then, when you make your choice, you get these badges, you know, of the impact created by your rat. And then you can put these badges on your Facebook and show off to your friends who don't have a rat yet. <laughs> so that's our hope for this to go viral.
1: You talked about three rats detecting the TB and then there being a secondary analysis. What percentage is confirmed? Is it very high percentage that's confirmed when you have three rats?
0: Yeah. Complicated matter. A single rat has an average of 67% sensitivity, 93% specificity. Compared to a microscope, routine Microscopy, 49% sensitivity. These rats smell so fine, it's extreme. To the extent that we have to standardize our procedures, if our staff have to touch a sample, well, they have to touch all of them. To that extent, because the animals would actually sniff out, ah, this sample has been manipulated. More sensitive than a gas chromatograph, than a mass spectrometer. How many rats do you have in the field and do you have like team leader rats? I think we currently have in Mozambique 40 to 60 operational animals. We just shipped uh, 24 animals, additional animals to Angola. Overall the, the program is over 300 animals. My favourite would be Onzo and she died but she was a fantastic yeah, fantastic rats. Uh, well, for me, more of a social thing, of course. Onzo has never been deployed in the field, yet she was the mother of many, many, many rats that are operational in the field. How do you um, ensure rat welfare? Well, first of all, they're very resistant to disease. We actually have one vet coming every two weeks. We brought in norms uh, that have had to be respected by the by the Tanzanians and the Mozambicans. Large cages, sufficient toys in the cages, sufficient socialization of the animals. I think it's really crucial for this type of approach. If you want to really have it long-term, animal welfare uh, respecting is really crucial. And I'm not talking about the standards that need to be complied to for research. It is really important to have an, a relationship between the trainers and their animals, for them to see that solution is in what is available. Peter Luanda is a trainer at the TB center, he got TB himself, he got cured and he is one of our senior trainers now and he actually, well he made a small clip, it's on YouTube, it's also on our website, it's fantastic. In that clip he is actually kissing his rat. Why is your organization
1: called Apopo? What does that mean?
0: Apopo in Swahili, but that's a pure coincidence, it means bat, uh, flutter mouse. Pure coincidence. But Apopo is an acronym, it stands for and en Product productontwikkeling. <laughs> yeah. uh, antipersonnel mines demining product development, product design.
1: What's been the biggest business challenge in terms of other things than RAP training and Mm. detection? The biggest
0: ones for me are staff retainers, more than 95% national staff. The folks we target to become trainers, they are people with a secondary level of education. They're poor, they cannot go to school yet. It's huge loss of intelligence or intelligence potential. We invested in them, wow, great output. But then as soon as they had worked enough with us, so what do these guys do? They get out of poverty. They leave Apopo as soon as they can. As soon as they have enough money to go for a degree, they left. Especially after four or five years in Tanzania, it started being like that. You know, we were, we were losing our, our local staff and that made the organization really thin. Then people started coming back, you know, with the degree. Of course, we had to pay them more, but I'm most happy to do that, you know, for people who come back to the organization. And that's where we understood that, okay, we're on the right track. You know, people are coming back. The other challenge I like to mention is, is the sustainability. Even if we got all these accolades on sustainability, impacts innovation and so on. Personally, I thought like, well, as long as we are donor-dependent, I don't consider it sustainable. In coming challenges, I think uh, to keep the governance clear, transparent and participative while we grow also becomes, can, could become a challenge. We need some way of compliance to our values, you know, how, how are we going to guarantee that our values remain the same? So, so th- I prospect there may be some challenges in the future. Thank you.
1: The RBS SE100 index allows social enterprises to benchmark their performance and health check their social impact. To find out more and sign up, visit se100.net.